Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be reviewing in full AW Dynamite that debuted on September 23rd, 2020. AW opens up with an explosive tag team match between Kip Sabian and Miro, his best man at his wedding, versus Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. This was a great tag team match to get the hype going of AEW. Miro looked like a hundred bucks. He looks way better than he was in WWE. Kip Sabian was also good in his tactics. So was Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss always looks like a million bucks in all of his matches in AEW and definitely has not missed a step. I cannot wait until Sonny Kiss breaks out and either captures the TNT championship or eventually capture the tag team championship with Joey Janela. In my notes, I have a pop-up into a lung blower that almost puts Sunny Kiss away. However, Joey Janela comes in to break up the pin, and then Miro does the camel clutch to Sunny for the victory for this match. So the winners are Kip Sabian and Miro. Surprisingly, Penelope Ford did not do anything in this match to distract Joey Janela and or Sunny Kiss, which was a little odd. I would have liked to see her play a part because she always plays a part one way or the other. I almost forgot that she was at ringside because she didn't do this. After that, Eddie Kingston decides to come out and cut a promo on Moxley, calling Moxley a sellout because he went to WWE. And in Kingston's defense, Kingston has always been on the indies fighting with the guys who fight the hardest. And that brought out John Moxley. We thought that it was going to break down in the ring by both of them attacking each other, but that was definitely not the case. The referees were able to pull them apart and they both went to the back until it was time for the main event, which would include John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. After that, we get Hangman versus Eva Uno and Kenny Omega is on commentary. On commentary, they mentioned that there was a tag team opportunity that could have happened on AEW Dynamite. We could have seen Evil Uno and Stu Grayson take on the tag team of Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. However, Kenny Omega declined that offer. He declined teaming with Hangman Page. Kenny right now is focused on being a singles competitor. And he's focused on trying to establish himself as the number one singles competitor in AEW and eventually get a title shot at whoever is the future AEW champion when we get there. This is where storytelling is important, ladies and gentlemen. I know on Twitter, sometimes it's a little bit hard to be patient with AEW storylines, but AEW storylines are the best because it's a slow burn. It is a very well thought out story that we all get emotionally invested in. And that's what I want. I want wrestling to be emotionally invested in again to enjoy these storylines. So the reason why Kenny no longer wants to be a tag team with Heyman Page is because he keeps saying that that sailed. It was fun. You know, Last week, he was saying that if the cards fall and they had to team up, you know, who do it. 
But this week, he just totally dismissed the opportunity for doing that. The cards were there. They were falling into place. It could have been a tag team match on the card. But no, he said no. It wasn't going to happen. This tells you right now that Kenny is more invested to see how Hangman can do on his own. And I think that while him and Hangman were a tag team, yes, they had good times, but because of Hangman's drinking, that is what put the blemish on Kenny Omega talking fondly about his time with Hangman Page as the AEW World Tag Team Champions. There's some type of tiny animosity behind that. Like, in Kenny's world, there's always going to be an asterisk near that title of both Hangman and Kenny being tag team champions. And that's only because Hangman decided to spiral down and think that he's not the best in the world of the elite, meaning Kenny, the Young Bucks, and he, and he, meaning Hangman, destroyed all the friendships and everything. So there's still that animosity there, and there's still that blemish there. And for having Kenny come out for a second week to watch a Hangman Adam Page singles match means a lot too. And this is where the slow burning story comes in. I'm just going to spoil it. Hangman Adam Page does win this beautiful match against Evil Uno. And this is the second time that Kenny sort of doubts him on commentary where he thought that Hangman was going to lose. Kenny is doing this thing of allowing Hangman Adam Page to get a two-lead victory in this quote-unquote race that he's having with Hangman. Kenny likes to play around with the competitors that he creates stories with. You could consider him almost like the cat chasing the mouse. But in this sense, the cat is very methodical of watching the mouse and see how the mouse progresses. So right now, Hangman Adam Page is at a two-lead victory. Currently, Kenny has no victories. In the past, when they were tag team champions, yes, he had a singles opportunity. He won that, but that doesn't count in this feud right now. What counts in this feud is that Hangman Adam Page has two victories under his belt, while Kenny Omega does not, and Kenny Omega is watching from the sidelines. Once Hangman Adam Page gets enough momentum in Hangman's journey, in his story, that is when Kenny is going to say that it's enough. He's going to kick it into overdrive. He's going to demolish the whole entire locker room and be number one. And Hangman is going to be number two. And that's only going to remind Hangman of his failures and his confidence. And that, you know, he's never really been the best. That Kenny is always going to be a step ahead of him. That is the dynamic that they're going with. Well, what I think they're going with. Not that I see. It's how I see it. Basically, it's how I see how they're going with it. There's no reason for Kenny to be out on the commentary booth a second week in the row to watch Hangman Adam Page if Kenny didn't have a master plan behind it. You wouldn't watch your tag team partner 
fight in singles competition when you already made up your mind that you want to be in singles competition. That didn't happen with the other tag teams in professional wrestling. Once a tag team broke up, that was it. They went their separate ways. They didn't really care if the other person won their respective singles match or whatever the case may be. This is a little bit different in storytelling, which you got to really look at the details and why both men are doing what they're doing. In this match, Hangman Adam Page is looking great. He's pulling out moves that he hasn't really shown in a while and showing what he can do as a singles competitor. This is the first time where he feels confident in the ring, confident in himself. He is smiling after doing a huge move, which, by the way, Hangman Adam Page did another crossbody to the outside. Again, wrestling people. It is not called a pescado. I explained this in my last podcast, the difference between a pescado and a plancha. Let's just call it what it is and not just say the Spanish terms like 24-7. It's okay. No one is competing with us to say these Spanish terms, and I wouldn't want to get into a conversation with a wrestling fan who's going to use it and not use it properly. So a cross body over the top rope onto Eva Uno. That is what Hangman Adam Page did. He also did a deadlift pump handle slam into a bridge pinning combination. And this almost allowed Hangman Adam Page to pick up an early victory, but that did not happen. Eva Uno kicked out of it. It looked beautiful though. Then there is the assisted cutter by Eva Uno that he does to Hangman Adam Page. He will swing the opponent's leg into the referee. This referee being Rick Knox and proceeds to do the cutter. I've always enjoyed that. That's very unique and I really do enjoy that move. Evil Uno does a backbreaker to Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page does his combination of the fallaway slam into the kip up and the shooting star press, which looked smooth and flawless. Then there is a senton from Uno to Hangman. Towards the end, there was a bit of an urgency feeling on getting the victory, getting the pin. But in the end, the buckshot lariat allows Hangman Adam Page to pick up the victory over Evil Uno. After the match, Hangman Adam Page does not look for Kenny Omega's approval. Kenny Omega already bid his adieu and went to the back. After that, we get a promo of Tony Schiavone going over to the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks have requested this time with Tony Schiavone, and out comes Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson explains that the fans are probably wondering why him and his brother are acting so weird and so strange and super kicking everybody and just being heel Young Bucks. And Tony wants to know too. And quite frankly, they're still upset that friendships got broken and they're upset that they did not win the tag team gauntlet in order to get the tag team titles. But then again, you know, it's a competition, it's a business, and they should just pick themselves back up and still be heels and dominate the tag team division. Next, we get Orange Cassidy versus Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. In the beginning, Brody Lee is taking advantage of Orange Cassidy. 
there's a bunch of chops and suicide dives and hard strikes, even power strikes, even a senton. Brody Lee does the boss man slam to Cassidy, and then Brody at one point ends up pushing Silver off the apron once Silver is holding the TNT Championship towards the hard camera. And that was pure entertainment gold. There is the half and half suplex from Brody to Orange Cassidy. And then Orange Cassidy comes back with a DDT to Brody, a stunner, a diving DDT, the running PK, which is a running kick, another DDT by Cassidy, and then Cassidy's finisher to Brody Lee. This does not allow Orange Cassidy to pick up the victory. John Silver gets in the way and sacrifices himself for the greater good of the Dark Order and takes the orange punch that Cassidy gives. Brody Lee does a powerbomb into a lariat and wins the TNT Championship match and retains the title. There is a tiny celebration until Cody Rhodes makes his return dressed in all black, dyed his hair in all black, and he means business. He goes to the ring. He takes out the whole entire Dark Order. And in the back, Brody Lee cuts a promo. And he issues the challenge to Cody Rhodes to have a dog collar match. He asks Cody Rhodes if he's a coward. If he's not a coward, he would accept the challenge. If he doesn't accept the challenge, obviously, he is a coward. So we just have to wait for Cody Rhodes' response to Brody Lee for this dog collar match to happen. After that, we get a Matt Hardy and Private Party segment out into the ring. Matt Hardy talks about how last week he was attacked from behind and most likely it was the inner circle with Chris Jericho and his baseball bat. And inner circle comes out. They get reunited with Sammy Guevara. And Private Party is throwing the challenge out to Chris Jericho. However, Mark Crenn wanted to be the one to fight Chris Jericho, but Isaiah Cassidy had mentioned that it was him that need mentions that it's him that needs to do this on his own and fight Chris Jericho. So he threw out the challenge to Chris Jericho to fight him next week one-on-one, and it's definitely happening at the next AEW Dynamite. I do want to mention that as technically sound that private party is and they understand the gimmick that they chose and they are fantastic wrestlers they do need to work on their promo skills and being paired with Matt Hardy is the way to go and they also need to learn how to pitch stories that they want to tell to the world because if anyone saw that little mini movie that they made called $12 and it was uploaded to BTE. They are very creative young men. And I think that they need a little bit more spotlight, a little bit more push, and just to get their voices out there. And I understand that they're both young, and they're both still probably taking in the fact that they're on national television, they're doing this, they're doing that. And sometimes you're content with that. And sometimes you're like, I made it. I'm having fun, I'm just going with the flow, and I'm doing these opportunities. But as a professional wrestler, either your tag team or singles competitor, make sure that you're making the most out of all your opportunities. And if you don't see an opportunity that you want, 
go create it. In the land of content creation, if you don't see something you want, if you want something to change, go make it, go have fun, go do it. And that's what I think private parties should definitely do. And I know that most of this stuff is probably going to get taped anyway, but they should definitely do some content leading up to Isaiah versus Jericho and any other type of content, whether it involves private party versus another tag team or Isaiah versus another singles competitor or Mark Quinn versus another singles competitor. The more content you have, the more diversity you have with showing how creative you can be and how trustworthy you can be when you go to your booker and you pitch your stories and your ideas. After that, we get FTR in the ring with Tony Schiavone. Tully mentions that originally the AEW Tag Team Championship matches are 60 minutes. That is the tradition. Every single, every championship match is at least 60 minutes for a time limit. However, Tully decided that it needed to be 20 minutes now. Every time FTR is going to be in a championship title match, each match is going to be as long as 20 minutes, no longer 60 minutes. This is called the 20-minute brush with greatness. After all that, best friends come out and they're ready to fight FTR. Chuck Taylor calls best friends weenies. And I'm like, okay, why? FTR was going to get ready to have this tag team title shot. FTR was going to get ready to have this tag team match. However, Cash decides that is not a good idea because best friends just came off of a parking lot brawl and he mentioned that they're not 100% and it wouldn't be fair for FTR to have this match with them if they're not 100%. So FTR went to the back. Best friends went to the back as well. This tag team match did not happen, but it probably will happen sometime in the future. After that, we get a women's tag team match. Sheeta and Thunder Rosa team up to take on Diamante and Ivelisse. This match was great from start to finish. There was a lot of combo moves. There was a lot of smoothness. There was a lot of great women's wrestling that AEW can learn from and how the locker room in the back can definitely learn from these women. According to my notes, I have a back body drop from Diamante and Ivelisse to Sheeta. Double kick to Diamante from Sheeta and Rosa. Assisted suplex to Diamante from Sheeta to Rosa. Tilt a world backbreaker from Sheeta to Ivelisse. And just great tag team moves all around. Sheeta picks up the victory with her running knee kick to Diamante for the 1 2 3. And you can tell right after the match, Thunder Rosa was giving direction to Sheeta on how to be a champion and to show off the belt and what to do after the match. Sheeta automatically wanted to shake Thunder Rosa's hand, but Thunder Rosa instructed Sheeta to go to the other side of the turnbuckle to raise up the championship. So that way the people at home knows that she's the champion and she won the belt. And I think that's very good awareness that sometimes you should do that first to 
revel in the glory of you winning the match, and then you can definitely be all sportsmanlike and shake hands afterwards. So Thunder Rosa is a really great addition to helping out the women of AEW. Now we get to the main event of AEW, which is Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. There is a lot of chain wrestling in the beginning, then the exchange of chops. There's a lot of fighting outside. There's knees and power drivers to Kingston from Mox. The bulldog choke is the maneuver that puts away Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston did not tap in this match. Eddie Kingston fell out. And the referee rang the bell and John Moxley retains the title. At the end of it, Eddie Kingston's family comes out, meaning just the Lucha Bros. Just the Lucha Bros come out to attack John Moxley. Then comes Will Hobbs and Darby Allen. And Ricky Starks also comes out and spears Darby Allen in his loafers. This guy. Anyway. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is my review of AEW Dynamite that debuted on September 23rd, 2020. Let me know what you thought. Did you enjoy this AEW Dynamite episode? Did you enjoy the Hangman and Kenny? Eventually, we're going to get a feud with them, but the whole entire storyline and my thoughts on it. If you did, make sure to leave me a comment on the Twitter site, at Marie underscore Shadows, or leave a voice message via Anchor anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast and if you want to take your support further for this show to hear more of my wrestling reviews head over to patreon.com forward slash rookie scp all forms of support are welcomed and encouraged i enjoy talking about wrestling and how things can improve and just my overall thoughts on stories once again ladies and gentlemen i am marie shadows you are listening to the square circle podcast And I hope that I get to see you guys in the next episode.